episodes of the Data Disruptor podcast. We're talking about how to convert your operational challenges into things that disrupt your industry with your data. And so we have Megan Vesley here. Megan is the manning, one of the managing directors of Accenture in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Megan, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Cool. So I don't think we've done a podcast together before, but you uh, work in healthcare data. Is that uh, and, and the healthcare technology space? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I work for Accenture, which is a large global management and technology consulting organization. Uh, we were one of the first to say, you know, every business is a digital business. That was 10 years ago. Uh, so we've done a lot with clients to help transition them uh, to data-driven organizations. And I, in particular, work in healthcare, um, where that is, I would say health is a little behind the curve in that, but it's becoming more and more important um, that data is used in everything we do in healthcare. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you've had your own experiences. I, I feel like a, a little bit of, in my healthcare experience, some of the things that people brought up at challenges at first are now table stakes, so to speak. So like HIPAA regulations, for example, like maybe that was a challenge at some point, but now that's just the cost of doing business or something that needs to be included in every um in every system. What are what are some of the new challenges you're facing? You you mentioned healthcare was a little bit behind. What are you seeing as some of the challenges right now? I would say um the fragmentation of data in healthcare, especially and it's it's actually the whole system that's fragmented, right? So if you think about it, you've got your insurance companies that finance care, you've got your uh hospitals and providers that deliver care. You've got all sorts of other companies like uh, lab companies, pharmacy benefit managers, even big pharma that manufactures a lot of the drugs. It, the healthcare ecosystem is so fragmented, which means the data is. And so interoperability has been a, a big trend in healthcare, particularly over the last couple of years as there's, there's been more and more regulation around it. Um, being able to exchange data across all of those different entities is really critical to um, caring for a person. If you just think about your own healthcare journey, there's not one single place that you go to for all your healthcare, right? You probably have a, a, a PCP or primary care doctor. You probably see specialists as needed. You go to the pharmacy to get medicine. You may go to a lab to get annual blood work. And being able to share data across all those organizations is critical to having a, a holistic view of your healthcare. Yeah. And potentially replacing the fax machine forever, as I know is my goal <laughs> in life. I'm just joking. Yes. yes, healthcare is keeping the fax machine alive yeah. right now. <laughs> it's like we're going to be in our 90s and uh, the fax machine and email are still going to be running the world or something. So, yeah. Oh, so true. Um, <laughs> So, so you have this interoperability and, and you talked about these multiple sites. Um, how have you seen this like try to come together, but ha still have a gap? Like, are there some things of like, ooh, those gaps, we need to keep closing those gaps? Yeah, so there's, I would say about 10 years ago, just getting uh, data digitized was the big thing, right? If you think about uh, the rise of EMR and meaningful use, so really you know, getting data off of a, a paper chart and on into an EMR was a critical step. And then there was uh, the evolution of, at the time it's called uh, health information exchanges or HIEs uh, that helped with some integration and some sharing of that, of that data between yeah. um, health systems and between uh, health systems and insurance companies. Um, but 
still not in real time, not enough, not timely enough to really use it at the point that it's most meaningful. And so that's the shift we are starting to see is uh, healthcare companies invest in some of that real-time interoperability and data exchange so that the, the provider has the information that is relevant at the point of care, not you know a week after Simon went and saw him and now he's yes. got to make a follow-up phone call to get him back into the office. Yes. So I can pay another. <laughs> I'm a little bitter. <laughs> Sorry, my bitterness is, I'm trying to keep, I'm just joking. So, yeah. um, no, I think that's, that's really helpful. And I know that, uh, you know, then there's, there's different layers of data and I don't know if, if, if this is skipping, we can skip back, but, uh, I have a situation right where I've, I've gone to my annual physical and I have my lab results and I get them and I have no freaking clue what they, they, they mean, you know, and I think there's these other layers of data that create more meaning have you ever all been able to even touch on that yet or or what's that like? Yeah, I would say certainly demystifying healthcare data is something that a lot of organizations are trying to do. It's at its most fundamental. It is very complex, right? If you think because it's it's science, it's medicine, and the way that all of those services get billed for requires a very granular and precise level of detail that takes into consideration. Um, the person's diagnosis, the specific procedure, the, the context in which that procedure was provided, right? It's very, very detailed. But to make that meaningful to a, a consumer of it um, requires a lot of uh, simplifying and demystifying. I would say most healthcare organizations aren't quite there yet, but they're working to yeah. they're working to get there. Yeah, I hope so. That would be cool. Uh, and and not. Not just because you know I uh, have made some jokes, but because I think I think that people having the context of which they come into, right? I mean, there's probably other things that did this, but Gmail among the first things. I think they just these tools that have become ubiquitous in our life have just given this this context that we're really comfortable in, and we kind of know where we're at on the map, so to speak, in the tool. And I I think then coming into these newer tools or these new use cases sometimes the context isn't quite there yet. And, and that can be really meaningful to people. Yeah. Well, and equipping people with the right information to manage their own health care is the best way to, over time, yes. drive down the cost of care, right? There, I'm sure you've heard about the shortage of healthcare workers. There's just not, a, the healthcare system is expensive, right? Um, and for those reasons, it's really important that you get the information into the hands of the consumers so that they can take care of their own health as best they can. That's really good. So, so you mentioned the cost of care, and I think that's really important. I think also, you know, the the lost revenue and revenue cycles are really important in healthcare right now. How have you seen some of this data, these data pain points that we've talked about, manifest themselves in the bottom line? Um, I would say at um, so I there's a couple ways I work on the insurance side predominantly um, where it's it's all about financing and managing risk um, and being able to kind of predict what the the healthcare spend um, which is driven by uh, cost of services and then utilization of services um, if that risk isn't appropriately managed if that's where it starts to impact the bottom line and um, COVID, interesting, it put a lot of pressure on both uh, 
providers who deliver care and payers who finance care in a very interesting way because it dramatically changed utilization patterns, right? In the middle of COVID, there was a really high spike in certain types of utilization, but then all of the, you know, preventative and um, elective care dropped off. And the big question is like, when's that going to come back? And so the ability to um, not only leverage historical data to try to kind of predict those patterns, um, but also to run different scenarios, because in a lot of ways, the pandemic was unprecedented. So history is only going to tell you so much. Um, the ability to run different scenarios around when is utilization going to come back up? Um, how is that going to impact my revenue if I'm a, I'm a hospital or a, my expense if I'm a, a payer financing care is really, really important. And that's where uh, a rich uh, data set that allows you to run all those different scenarios and do some of that predictive modeling is really important in the ability to um, forecast and manage its uh, bottom line. Yeah, that's good. And then if, if this has taken us too much out of your wheelhouse, let's go back. But I think, you know, there's so many industries where you're talking about data helping somewhat automate tasks so that employees are more have more time back. And I think, you know, in a lot of um, industries, that's like maybe not quite a felt need yet. Maybe it's a nice to have, not a need to have. But our healthcare workers, as we saw front and center stage during COVID and, and still, there's not enough of them. They're overtaxed. They're overworked. The um, the the quality checks and the handoffs and all of those human processes that take so much time and energy are are not an option. They have to happen, right? Life depends on it. Do you have any thoughts on like how data can immediately treat those kinds of symptoms? Yeah, I would say immediate is is tough, especially as you think about like. Uh, a provider, a care delivery setting, but data is so foundational to artificial intelligence. And, you know, we've all heard a, a ton about it over the last year with ChatGPT. Um, we've all, most of us have now seen it for ourselves, played around with ChatGPT. Uh, artificial intelligence is going to be really, really powerful in healthcare. Just as an example, if you think about like when you go to your, your doctor and he's, he or she's asking you questions, looking at the screen the whole time and not you. And that's because someone's got to capture all of that information and document it and create the data set that we're talking about the importance of um, with artificial intelligence eventually. And we're seeing some providers start to uh, experiment with this. Um, in theory, you could have kind of an, an AI powered bot kind of listening, ambient listening in the same yeah. way, you know, Alexa, who's behind me, is probably yeah. going to chime in now. <laughs> um, listens uh listens to you and, and and captures information or helps you you know check the weather yes um and that ambient listening will allow the doctor to actually be interacting with you the whole time while the artificial intelligence is capturing the information and the critical pieces of that interaction and documenting it via a data set but that ai only works if you've got a rich data set to train it on, right? Because it's got to be able to parse through the relevant parts of the dialogue and exclude the non-relevant parts of the dialogue, right? You know, I took the Otis swimming lessons this morning, like, sure, that's a conversation you have with your doctor, but it doesn't need to be documented in your medical record, right? Um, AI needs to be able to parse through and 
decide what's relevant versus not. And using data is the only way to train it. That's good. So kind of on that thread, and, and you mentioned interoperability earlier. Uh, and also, I mean, you showed me before we started recording the famous quote, Rocky steps are right outside <laughs> your, your window. And I know just at my height and stature, like I could maybe, I can do maybe the one step at a time. Maybe I could do two steps at a time on the Rocky steps, but I'm not going to be able to do like, you know, skip three steps, right? My gate is not wide enough. And I think sometimes when people get this um, AI stuff in their mind and they see chat GPT, it's like, let's do it right now. We're there, you know? And to me as a practitioner, it seems like we're skipping, you know, three, four, five steps, you know, to get there. And so talk about some of where you see interoperability today and where we have to get to, to be able to implement AI effectively. Um, I would say, and both of both interoperability and uh, AI will be powered by a really strong data foundation, um, as well as data, data governance and privacy. And that kind of underpins everything, especially in healthcare. Um, the, I think I, I, I read a stat recently, um, just if you think about like cybersecurity, um, the average, um, the average price a hacker can get for like a typical, like a credit card record is something like, you know, maybe a dollar, whereas for a healthcare record, it's north of $10. Um, right. So the healthcare system in particular is really, really vulnerable to uh, cybersecurity attacks. So as you think about both, um, both interoperability where you're exchanging data with outside entities, as well as uh, artificial intelligence, where in a lot of cases you're using publicly available large language models. Um, security is really important. Data governance is really important. Understanding how you are making sure you're, if you're exchanging information with a health system, for example, you have the same definition or a way to get to the same definition of uh, what is a claim or what is procedure X, Y, Z. Um, all of that is very important in the same way it's important for artificial intelligence because that's, again, you're, you're training technology to think like a human. Um, so it's important that you've got consistent definitions that are aligned to how a human would think. That's good. So getting some of those basics, I would say those, like that's yeah. where all enterprises need to start is having that base foundation, right? Um, and then you can start to take advantage of more and more interoperability, more and more uh, artificial intelligence. Yep. Yes, that's really good. Um, and then are you seeing any, uh, this this may or may not be a separate topic, but uh, I've seen a little bit of, of, you know, data pillars coming out of digital transformation. So the finance team in org kind of did their thing, the marketing team in org, the operations team in org, and, and those are still a little bit separately defined pillars. Have you seen any efforts to bring those things together in some way? Yeah, certainly. And it's... Uh... It's a battle a lot of organizations uh, fight, right? Your sales team has a different definition of the numbers than your finance team, than your actuarial team, or you know, your operations team. Um, so the more you can drive uh, commonality of, of two, and don't get me wrong, all of those organizations need to ask different questions of the data and need to get different insights out of it. But having a common... Uh, database or data lake, common source of the data, and then ideally, you know, common visual layer that sits on top of it that allows the business to ask the questions that are contextually relevant to their operation helps break down some of those silos. 
Well, this is really good. I've been learning a lot from you and really, really uh, grateful for your generosity and, and helping me learn and grow. Uh, any final thoughts you want to leave the people with? Um, I just reinforce, you know, data is probably the, the biggest asset that any organization has. Um, some, another good quote I heard from somebody recently, you've probably heard this before, um, just as an example, right, to think about you know, Facebook, Instagram, all the sites that we all use, like, uh, their product is, is data. It's us, right? It's those of us that are out there creating data. Um, and it just goes to show how, how powerful it is. And, um, as I think about it in healthcare in particular, uh, healthcare uses like 3% of the data that's created. Um, and so there's just a huge opportunity, um, to capture more and more and to use more of that remaining 90% of the data to improve outcomes. Yeah. And as we, as we sharpen all of our tools and skill sets, we can <laughs> use more of that. Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we're really grateful and we'll uh, see you all on the next show. Yeah. Thanks, Simon. Uh, 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 uh,